Welcome to the Life After 50 show. I'm Katherine Watson. I'm the author of Help, My Parents Are Aging and Help, I Can't Do This Alone. Both books can be found on Amazon. I'm also the founder of Find Houston Senior Care, a web directory designed to help you find the senior care you need in the greater Houston Metroplex. And I'm also the founder of Marketing Your Care, helping passionate businesses get the word out so that you know about the wonderful services they have to offer you. Today, we're gonna to be talking about concerns you may have about an aging parent. You may have gone to visit mom or dad over the holidays, and maybe you saw or heard something that caused some concern. Could mom have dementia? Could it be Alzheimer's? Or is it just normal aging? My guest today is Dr. Julie Kutak from the Alzheimer's Association. And Dr. Kutak is here to address your concerns. We're gonna talk about what signals or symptoms you should be concerned about, what next steps you could take if you are worried, and how the Alzheimer's Association can help you. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Kutak. I've known Julie for a couple of years now. In fact, she was one of the first people on my Life After 50 show last year when I began. Julie was the uh, second, second guest I had, so we've come a long way in the last year, and I'm happy to have her back again today. Julie received her BS in molecular biology with a minor in theology from Texas Lutheran University, her MA in religious studies from Rice University, and her PhD in medical humanities from the University of Texas Medical Branch. Dr. Kutak's research at Rice focused on the ethics of memory and illness, narratives that captured the subjective experience of Alzheimer's disease. At the Institute for the Medical Humanities at the University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston, Dr. Kutak continued to explore her interest in aging and elder care as a National Institute of Aging pre-doctoral fellow with the Seeley Center on Aging. Her dissertation focused on suffering, the elderly, and ways that the medical humanities can improve the practitioner-patient relationship. Dr. Kutak currently works as an education specialist for the Alzheimer's Association of Houston and the Southeast Texas chapter. Welcome, Dr. Kutak. We're so happy to have you back again. Thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yes. So this is a common... Um, a common occurrence after a holiday, and we've had several holidays in a row where people probably came in to visit an aging parent that maybe they hadn't seen recently. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about that a little bit, but before we do, I just wanna acknowledge we've got some people that have shown up on the show. Glenda, Christine, thank you for uh, showing up and uh, we appreciate it. If you have any questions, feel free to ask Dr. Kutak below. So Dr. Kutak, what 
signals or symptoms should people start looking for? Yeah, it's important. Oh, it looks like the lights just went out. Here they come. They're back. Um, (laughs) It's interesting to think about uh, aging. And we often think about our body aging, you know, as we as we get older, our body changes. And in the same way, our brain changes too, but we don't think about that quite so much. So it's definitely normal to experience some age-related changes, Um, but there are warning signs that can indicate something that's going on that's a little bit more significant than your average age-related change. Uh, It's important to recognize also, though, that the holidays are a fun time, but there also can be a very stressful time. And as people age, they may, uh, you know, aging is a time of great diversity. So, uh, but they may find that routines are more comfortable. People get, you know, set in um, their day-to-day activities of living, and the holidays can really disrupt that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's important to kind of take all of those things into consideration um, when you're getting worried or becoming concerned about um, someone's memory changes. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're right. People do get um, set in their routines, especially as they get older a lot of times. And the holidays, though joyful and fun, and you're happy to see your kids, it is a disruption. Um, yeah. You're used to doing things a certain way. You're used to having your coffee in bed, maybe, and suddenly you've got to get up and fix breakfast. And so it does kind of throw you off balance. And I think it would right. do that with pretty much anybody at any age. You mm-hmm. know, when you have extra guests in your house, even even though they're your children, uh, it's still changing your routine. So right. yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah um, yes, exactly. It can be stressful for any of us. And, um, but it can also, those changes can reveal if someone has been maybe compensating um, for changes in memory, being in that sort of more stressful environment can reveal changes that might be going on. Mm -hmm. So it is totally normal for people um, to be irritable when a routine is disrupted. But if a person's mood changes radically, if they're becoming much more suspicious or fearful or anxious, that could be, um, that could be a concern. If um, one thing that may sort of show up in the holiday times are people are cooking recipes that they've cooked, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years, you know, the holiday, the special holiday recipe. If someone has a hard time remembering the steps to that recipe, that could be a little bit, that could be a warning sign as well. Mm -hmm. So challenges in planning and organization Um, challenges and remembering familiar tasks, you're looking for, you're not looking for one particular thing. What you're looking for is a picture that's starting to emerge and you're looking for changes that are severe enough to interfere with daily life. So 
walking into the room and forgetting why you walked in there. That is something that everybody does. I certainly do it. (laughs) I definitely do it. Um, But, you know, sometimes you have to walk back out of the room and reset your brain or let your mind kind of clear out and things come back. Um, If, if that happens continually uh, and it becomes something that interferes with getting your daily activities done, then it may be time, you know, it may be time to be a little bit more concerned about what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, what other signs uh, could somebody look for? I mean, if um, you're noticing um, what, what kind of signs would, would be something that I would, should be concerned about? Yeah. One of the, one of the signs, um, Well, there are two that I want to kind of call to mind. So one are new troubles in speaking or writing. So one thing that may be concerning is if people are dropping words, they can't remember what words are, they can't remember the word or they may make up new words Mm. to explain the same thing. So instead of calling a watch, a watch, they may call it a hand clock, you know, so you know what they mean. It makes sense, um, but it's not quite right. Or they may say, oh, you know, you know, and kind of cover for words that are getting dropped. Another uh, warning sign is decreased or poor judgment. And if you haven't seen a loved one for a while and then you go into their house and if they were quite a housekeeper and the house is becoming, you know, really untidy, that could be concerning. Or if the mail is piling up, be on the lookout for um, pieces of mail that are asking for money, you know, or telemarketers. They prey on people. Um, who have these early, you know, early signs of dementia because people may give money, forget that they've given money, give money again. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, you're looking for that big, you know, that big picture. Yes. But it's important to remember that it may be Alzheimer's, but it may not be. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important to get to the doctor because there are conditions that are reversible, that mimic the signs of dementia. Uh, So don't assume that it's dementia, don't assume that it's not, um, but instead, you know, really work with, worked with your loved one to get into the doctor and get those questions, you know, kind of put to rest. Great. Dr. Kutak, you have frozen on the screen. So if oh, I no. to refresh okay. while she's doing that, we'll just continue the conversation. If you are listening to the show right now, and I see quite a few people are watching it, uh, please let us know that you're there. We'd love to uh, hear from you. Ask us any questions you may have. Julie, uh, Dr. Julie Kutak will be back in just a minute. I'm going to watch for her to come back and um, we'll get her back on the show. So here she comes. Just a minute. There we are. Okay. Technology in 2019. (laughs) Sometimes you have technological difficulties and it's okay. Well, that's okay. We we roll with them. (laughs) Right, right. So let's see, I uh, have somebody here, uh, Samantha is asking, she says, hi, Julie, I think if, if we 
if we think we might be seeing signs, what's a good way to bring up a doctor's visit with a family member? That's an excellent question, Samantha. Thank you. Not always it's, an easy thing to do. No, definitely not. Definitely not. It's, it can be very challenging. On the Alzheimer's Association website, we have, and you can look at it through our Know the Ten Signs, okay, um, which that up. Catherine has that link. Yeah. There is a worksheet that you can do to come up with a smart, small, action plan for having that conversation. So you want to think about who is the best person to have that conversation. Maybe maybe the adult child is not the person with the most kind of credibility um, when it comes to talking to a parent about challenges that they may be having. Maybe they are, but maybe you want to talk to a friend or a sibling, um, or, you know, someone who can say, here are the changes that we're noticing. Mm -hmm. You want to outline what the changes are, because you never want to sound like you're attacking the person. Right. Um, you want to reflect what the changes are and the concern. You want to come up with a plan. What time are you going to do it? Are you going to attach the conversation to something that's fun and low stress? You don't want the conversation to come out when the family member has demonstrated some kind of um, challenge, you know, or decision that they made that was confusing or they're having a hard time and you're saying, see, this is exactly what I've been talking about. You know, instead, you want to create a time when it's low stress, when everybody can be their best self <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and can bring up the topic in a neutral in a neutral way. So the association has a worksheet that can help you kind of think through those questions in an organized way and come up with an action plan to then be able to talk to your loved one. Uh, you know, I think it's so important to to plan this out. I really do. Because if you just jump in there and start um, talking to your parent about what you see and what you're concerned about, it's probably not going to be accepted very well. It's going to feel, you know, right. a lot of times the parent will automatically put their defenses up mm -hmm. to try and protect themselves. Yes. And, yes. you know, if you want to have a good open conversation, you really have to be thoughtful about it. And you have to really be thoughtful about if you are the right person, like you said, right. maybe, uh, you know, somebody else might be a better, uh, better person to have that conversation or maybe together with another person, maybe, maybe your pastor or somebody that your mom oh, that's feels a good comfortable idea. with, you know, yeah. and, and trust. somebody that they trust. Yes. And, and feel like they're on their side too. Yeah. And, you know, thinking about these changes are, they can be very frightening. And so, you know, one, you may want to, the person may get defensive because sort of recognizing the reality of the situation, it brings, it makes everything more real. Right. Uh, so when the conversation is happening, the person needs a lot of reassurance that um, you're with them, 
you're not going away, they're not being abandoned, and that there there are a lot of support and resources available. Mm -hmm. And the Alzheimer's Association is one of those resources to be with you along, along that journey. Yes, and I just put up another resource that Sabrina gave us, 10 Steps to Approach Memory Concerns. Um, yes, so good, very good. And go to the, um, this link and download the document. It's a PDF, right? Yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yep. Great, great. Okay, so great. Okay, so so now we've you know got some concerns. Maybe they're pretty valid concerns, mm -hmm. and so now we're going to have to have this conversation and possibly set up a doctor's appointment. Mm -hmm. How do we go about? finding a doctor uh, because not all doctors are created equal. That's true. Yeah. One, so you want to look for um, doctors who have experience with Alzheimer's. So those are neurologists, mm -hmm. psychiatrists, geriatric psychiatrists, mm -hmm. and uh, even some family practice doctors also have some experience. So the Alzheimer's Association has a great uh, resource. It's called the Community Resource Finder. So that's communityresourcefinder.org. Mm -hmm. And you can look up doctors. Uh, you search them through uh, your zip code. And it'll populate with physicians who are in the area who have experience dealing with dementia. So this is a great resource that's done in conjunction with the Alzheimer's Association and AARP. So as a nonprofit, we don't recommend any one particular doctor, but we do um, have a clearinghouse for these physicians. You can also look for uh, a dementia diagnostic center so we're very lucky in the Houston area to have several centers that really are excellent um, and can help address those needs. So um, in no particular order, there's the UT Health Department of Neurology, there's the Nance National Alzheimer's Center, there's the Baylor Alzheimer's Disease and Memory Disorder Center, as well as many private practice doctors who are equipped. When you go to the doctor, you want to bring your questions written down. You want to bring your medication lists. Um, and as you want to bring as much data as you can. Mm -hmm. So any kind of log, care log, um, things that are concerning you, bring all of that information to the doctor so that you can have an open and realistic dialogue about really what's going on. Okay. Now, is there any way that doctors can actually give a definitive diagnosis of Alzheimer's or other type of dementias? Are there tests now, medical tests that are done yeah, the the science is advancing very quickly on that. Mm -hmm. So Alzheimer's is still diagnosed clinically. Um, if there are changes in different domains of thinking, then that can lead to a diagnosis of dementia. And just to clarify, dementia is the category term. Alzheimer's is one type of dementia. But now there are scans and there's neuroimaging that can um, see 
changes in the brain that are happening um, due to Alzheimer's pathology. But what's really exciting on the, the near horizon are, um, is the, the quest for biomarkers. So in the same way that we can look at like A1C as a level of, you know, looking at blood sugar, scientists are looking to find if there's something in the blood in the spinal fluid, even in things like saliva, to that could be a biological marker of Alzheimer's pathology before it starts. So the imaging studies that have been done have found that changes in the brain due to Alzheimer's happen, start to happen 10 to 20 years before there are any of those clinical symptoms. So our hope for the future is that we'd be able to find one of those biomarkers and you would go and get that tested on your, you know, your regular physical long before there are any uh, of these warning signs, you know, that are starting to emerge. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so we have got a lot of resources and Sabrina, thank you so much for showing up on this show and really helping us. She's been putting up some great resources here, Julie. She's oh. um, putting up every kind of resource out there that the Alzheimer's Association has. Yeah. I want to point out something too. If you're really um, having, maybe you uh, are visiting an aging parent and there is an incident that happens. I mean, something really big that happens and you're really scared and you don't know what to do. The Alzheimer's Association also has a 24-hour helpline, don't they? Yes, yes. Yeah, and a big shout out to Sabrina, who Sabrina Strawn, who is our community outreach manager. So she does a lot of work in the community. And if you're interested in getting involved, she's the person to talk to. Our 24-hour helpline is exactly that. It is a resource for you to call any time of the day or night. You can call at two o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve and, you know, someone will be there. We can answer the phone in multiple languages too. So this, this number is answered by helpline specialists who um, are master's level trained and they have extensive experience understanding uh, dementia, Alzheimer's and caregiving needs. So please reach out to them. But and even if you're not- that number up on the screen. Thank oh, good. you again, Sabrina. But even if you're not in crisis, but you just have some questions, you just want to talk it out with someone um, or have a listening ear who can appreciate the journey that you're on and, you know, can appreciate what you're going through, please call this number. It's for big questions. It's for small questions and every kind of dementia question in between. Okay, great. So it's good to know. It doesn't have to be a major crisis. You can just call to reach out and get the information you need, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to be a resource. A comforting ear that knows, understands what you're talking about and what you're going through. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And when I, um, our helpline specialists, 
uh, can answer the phone in 140 languages. So if, wow. <laughs> uh, if there is not someone immediately, then we will make sure to get you to someone who can speak, you know, can speak your language. That's amazing. 140 languages. I can't yes. imagine. Wow, yeah, we want, we want to be a resource to the whole community. Yeah, yeah. And in Houston, we have, I, I don't know if we have 140 different languages spoken here, but I know we have a lot. We so, do have um, a lot. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, so. and that would be a good time to say that our website has uh, several language options as well. Our, our entire website is translated in English and Spanish, but we also have a portal that um, has uh, Mandarin, Japanese, Vietnamese, Korean. So there are um, online resources that are available in multiple languages too. Great. Dr. Kutek, I want to ask you one other thing. You mm -hmm. just brought something up. Does Alzheimer's or other types of dementia, do they attack a certain type of demographic? Are there certain cultures that are more prone to this disease or what, what have the studies shown on that? Yeah, we do know that unfortunately um, communities that have been historically underrepresented are actually at a higher risk of developing Alzheimer's. African-Americans are at a two times higher risk than their uh, Caucasian counterparts and Latinos are have a 1.5 times higher risk. So the Alzheimer's Association is doing quite a lot of education um, and outreach to um, underserved communities to let them know what's going on and then to talk about ways that we can promote healthy living. And the, the third part of our mission is to reduce the risk of dementia through the promotion of brain health. So we have um, different uh, outreach campaigns to help improve um, brain health, like the 10 ways to love your brain. Mm -hmm. Great, great. So just give us a little teaser on that. We'll have to do a whole nother show on that one, probably. But what are some of the things that people can do to improve their brain health and, and how effective is it um, if you have a diagnosis already? Yeah, if you have a diagnosis, it's very important. So the reality is um, there are no medications right now that can slow the progression. There are medications that help with symptoms of the disease, and that's important, but mm -hmm. they don't slow the progression. But um, practicing things that um, help support brain health are important if you're healthy or if you are dealing, you know, dealing with dementia yourself. So that's exercise, mm -hmm. um, that's staying socially engaged. And the Alzheimer's Association has great early stage engagement programs. Um, that's getting good rest mm -hmm. and um, staying mentally active, mentally engaged, uh, and eating a heart healthy diet. Uh, so those are just, it's, there's no one magic bullet, but doing these things in concert with one another um, can really help um, support your heart and to support your brain as well. What's good for the heart is good for the brain. Exactly. 
And, and the thing is, if it can buy you a few extra years or, you know, some extra time where you're more independent, to me, that's a great thing right there. Absolutely. I mean, none of us can control the future. We can only control the moment that we're in. And so making good, healthy decisions in the moment that we're in can is really the, the best strategy that we have for helping um, improve our future. Yeah, great. Well, as always, Dr. Kutak, we are running out of time. Plenty to talk about still. Oh, it's always we'll so great to talk. Back on another show, another time. Uh, because yeah. there's just so much information that people need to know. Um, and this is the Life After 50 show. It's what you need to know. I'm happy to have the Alzheimer's Association represented here on the show today and happy to have uh, Dr. Julie Kutak here. Uh, you've been just a great resource for the community and for this show. I really appreciate it. Thank you again. Catherine, thank you for everything that you're doing to help improve, um, improve care for members of the Houston community. We appreciate you too. Thank you. So the Life After 50 show has continued. We took a little holiday break, but we're back. We will be live twice a month now. The next show will be February the 11th, and you don't want to miss this one. It's called Soaring Seniors. And let me tell you, this senior that has written this book, she is soaring. So you want to find out what she's doing to keep so energetic, active, and alive so that you can too. I'm Katherine Watson. This is the Life After 50 show. And thank you for showing up. Have a great day. And bye again, Julie. Bye-bye. Thank you.